who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Singularity by Bill DeSmet. Copyright 2004 by William H. DeSmet. All rights reserved. Chapter 20. Alive. The era of fire is winding down now, the elegance of energy congealing into gross materiality. After the first few seconds, the universe seed is barely hot enough to synthesize even the simplest chemical elements. The work of filling in the periodic table must be left to the stars. Jack Adler stirred in his sleep and moaned. Half a million years out, the ever-attenuating universe has cooled down to where free electrons and nuclei bind into neutral atoms, releasing photons long held in electromagnetic thrall. At a stroke, the heavens shed their pearly luminescence and don the utter black of night in mid-ocean. Jack! Can you hear me? The oddly familiar voice faded in and out at the edge of consciousness. A night with no stars. The first starlight is still a billion years in the future. It will take that long for the early universe's trace inhomogeneities to gather hydrogen into stellar-sized clumps large enough to ignite under their own weight. Jack wet his lips, tried to swallow. Gone, he croaked. All gone. He turned back toward the receding radiance, but too late, too late. The bright morning of existence was over. Its brief noon had given way to evening. The sun of creation had set, and all that was left now was a dance in the long afterglow. And through it all, forged from the same gargantuan gravitational forces as are gradually molding gas into galaxies, the last primordial black hole, sole relic of the creation, sails outward through the darkness. A darkness that fled as Jack pried gummy eyelids apart and sought to hold them open against the onslaught of day. With the light, the voice returned too, 
He is coming around, I think, it said. Jack tried to focus, to resolve shifting patterns of shadow and glare into the shapes he knew must be there. He raised his head for a better look, stopped when he felt a warning throb at the base of his skull. It felt as if someone had been pounding away on that spot with a hammer and cold chisel, someone who might be coming back any minute. He lay back, panting, his strength taxed by even this much exertion. Took a deep breath and wished he hadn't. The air reeked of disinfectant and rancid floor wax. Experimenting, he found his eyes had adjusted to the light, enough that he was able to take in his surroundings. A glance down confirmed what his sense of touch had already told him. His arms and chest were swathed in bandages, and he was lying on a simple, steel-framed cot, one of three lined up along one bilious green wall of a small, airless room. A soot-flecked window, closed tight despite the noon heat, gave out on blank brick wall. Could have been anywhere, or nowhere. He looked up to find the owner of the voice. There he was, sitting on the next cot over. Luciano, Jack whispered hoarsely. The little Italian geologist smiled down at him. Yes, Jack, I am here. Where is here, exactly? The University Hospital in Tomsk. I came by to look in on you on my way home to Bologna. And uh, not only I, a, a friend is here to see you too. Good to see you are back with us, Professor Adler. A second voice, deeper and differently accented, but no less familiar. For a while, we feared we might lose you. Standing behind Luciano, hovering threateningly, solicitously over Jack's hospital bed was Academician Medvedev? What are you doing here? I came in to have this x-rayed. Medvedev's left arm was in a sling. They seem to have set it well enough at the Vanavara Polyclinic, but I thought it best to be sure. Then, too, I wanted to check on your progress. I have what one might call a personal interest in your recovery. Jack, Luciano said quietly, say hello to the man who saved your life. Moving slowly and gingerly, Jack managed to prop himself into a semblance of a sitting position without reawakening the throb in the back of his head. Damned if he'd listened to the tale of his improbable rescue by Medvedev, of all people, from flat on his back. So, when Igor did not bring you back, the big Russian was saying, I went to your campsite to look for you. I could barely see a thing in the darkness, but I knew the growl of a wolf well enough, and it stink. He paused then and said, That was a foolish thing you did, Arthur. Brave, but foolish, to challenge a wolf like that. I was almost too late to save you. How? How did you manage that, anyway? I thought I was a goner for sure. Ha! As to that, we Siberians have been dealing with wolves since before your Declaration of Independence was signed. Simple, really. A wolf's jaw is very powerful, true. But the superstructure of his snout is quite fragile. 
it requires only that you get the wolf to bite onto something and hold still long enough to smash a rock down on his nose. He then loses his appetite entirely. Bite and hold on to what? In answer, the Russian held out his gypsum-encased left forearm. I wrapped my shirt around it as best I could. Even so, the beast fractured my ulna. Not for the first time, Jack was reminded what Midvied meant in Russian. The man must have the strength and courage of a bear to go with the rest of his Orsine attributes. I, I don't know how to thank you, Dmitri Pavlovich, Jack began. Just Dmitri, Jack, Medvedev said. There can be no such formalities between two who have faced death together. Was that it? The reason Medvedev, or Dmitri then, was acting so downright cordial? More than cordial. Beneath the gruff exterior, the man seemed almost friendly. As to thanks, he held up his good hand. Let us hear no more of that. As head of the expedition, I bear responsibility for the safety of all its members. And besides, can you imagine the paperwork involved in cheaping home a dead American? Jack couldn't believe it. Medvedev had made a joke. Quick as it had come, the flash of humor vanished. The Russian sat down heavily on the adjacent cot and sighed. No, Jack, you owe me no thanks. It is I who owe you an apology. We have had our differences, but that is no excuse for making you camp alone in that isolated site, especially with wolves about. That's all right, Dmitri. How could you have known? If your Siberian wolves are anything like their American cousins, it's unusual for them to come anywhere near a human, much less attack one. Hardly seems natural. Jack stopped talking then, thinking about what he'd just said. His memories of that night, initially fuzzy and unreal, as if they'd happened to someone else, had been gradually coming into focus as they'd talked. Now everything rushed back full force. It hadn't been natural at all. My God, he choked out. Igor, my experiment. Jack, are you all right? Luciano asked. Huh? Jack wiped at his eyes. Yeah, I'll be okay. I was just remembering. Remembering what? Igor's death, the ruined squid, and something else. Something important. Something that kept slipping away again. It was something to do with... Dmitri, did you happen to see, well, anyone else at the campsite besides me and Igor? Medvedev didn't answer immediately. A look of concern flashed across his face to be echoed on Luciano's. When the Russian did speak, it was in tones usually reserved for talking to small children or madmen. Your man who became a wolf, you mean? Jack, Luciano said, please try to understand. For the most part, your wounds were minor, less severe than Dmitri's in the fact. Of far greater concern were the injury to your head and its attendant hallucinations. It was only luck that the helicopter happened to be inbound to the expedition site, or we might have lost you. Medvedev gave Jack a sheepish grin. 
luck had had nothing to do with it. That chopper had been part and parcel of the Russians' plan to send Jack packing. Luciana was still talking. Even so, it took two hours to ferry you back to Vanavara, another four for the medivac to Tomsk, and all that time you were raving about your your werewolf, about a man who had the bitten Igor's throat out. Given the intensity of the delusion, Medvedev added, we feared brain damage. But the doctors here assure me your MRIs show nothing more than is to be expected with concussion. Jack made no response, just lay there, feeling trapped. They were dismissing what he had seen with his own eyes as some sort of trauma-induced hallucination. Somebody had gone to a lot of trouble to make his death and the destruction of his experiment look like a wild animal attack. And it had worked. Even his friends, both the old one and the new one, had bought it. And how could he blame them? It was all so wildly improbable. If only his head would stop aching so he could think, why would anyone trek all the way to the wilds of Tunguska just to kill a cosmologist and trash his experiment? His experiment, his find, could that be it? But it was potentially the most devastating discovery of all time. Why would anyone try to suppress it, to suppress him? No, it couldn't be. But the more he thought, thought about how unexpectedly precise the object's periodicity had been, the more he knew it was true. Somebody had been tampering with the microhole's orbit. Didn't they realize how incredibly dangerous that was? How the wrong move could decelerate the PBH into a death spiral to the core and bring the end in decades instead of centuries? And how had they kept it secret? Any installation big enough to do the job would have been impossible to conceal from satellite surveillance. The whole world would know about it by now. But somehow the world didn't know. Only he did. At least that explains why they'd tried to kill him. What if they were still trying? Jack raised his head. Dimitri, there hasn't been any publicity about my... My accident, has there? Medvedev shook his head. This is still Russia, Jack. Old habits die hard. We notified families and home institutions, of course, and posted an update to the Tunguska webpage, but just the bare facts. Wolf attack, two casualties, no names, no details. We had hoped that you would recuperate enough to participate in our final press conference and tell the full story yourself. But now that the expedition is over... No, no press conferences just yet, Jack said. Then he processed the rest of it. Did you say over? Your doctors felt it best to keep you sedated for a time, hoping your mind might heal itself. How long? What day is this? It is uh, August 3rd, Luciano said. Five days? Christ, they'd had nearly a week to find out he'd survived and track him here, whoever they were. This year's expedition is over, Medvedev confirmed. Luciano is, as he said, 
already leaving for home, as may you, of course, once you are recovered. He hesitated. Though I had intended to offer that you stay at my dacha while you are convalescing. Only if you feel well enough, of course. I'm feeling better, really. He couldn't stay here, lying in this hospital bed. It was only a matter of time till word got out he had survived. And he couldn't just hop on a plane and leave the country. He'd have to show a passport first. That might be all the killers needed to find him again. He couldn't let that happen. He had to stay alive, if only long enough to get the word out. No, Medvedev's offer sounded like the best bet. Jack sat there, silently regarding his new best friend. You saved my life, Dimitri. How'd you like to save the world into the bargain? You've been listening to Singularity by Bill DeSmet. 